What's up, church? Glad to be here today for our first uh, first Sunday with the new service times. Um, so we got, uh, I had to wake up a little bit earlier this morning. Wasn't happy about that, but uh, here we are. Um, not only we got that going on this weekend, but we also got March Madness. Any of you guys fill out brackets? We got a few, seven, okay, eight. <laughs> Man, this is sad. You guys, the rest of you guys are just not fun or, or what? Um, okay, yeah, all right, okay. At least he's honest about it. Um, so also got that going on. You got to give me, let me just say this. You got to give me a little grace on, uh, on the weekend that we got March Madness because on Thursday and Friday, those are like my days to like study, get ready for Sunday's message. And I got games going on all afternoon. It's super difficult for me to focus and pay attention. And, uh, even with Ohio State not in it this year, which is such a bummer, um, I got a root for my Big Ten teams and they are just getting slaughtered. And it's so annoying. Uh, but anyway, this is about the time of year that comes every year. It's about, it's about on this day, too, when I'm just like, I'm done with sports for the rest of my life. I don't want to follow sports, college sports. I'm just, I'm just done with it. But then August rolls around, and it's like, yeah, you know, get all giddy about it because football's coming. And hope, lots of hope that ends up being stinking from you. Anyway, okay, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. Um, but, uh, but hey, glad to be here with you this morning. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to go through three chapters, and it's something that's never been attempted here at, uh, at Grace Tiffin ever before, and it's, it's, it, we're going to go through so much, and I just want to tell you straight up, up front that um, I am not going to do this justice, okay, not even close, and that's not just because it's March Madness going on, you know, weekend, and so I've been distracted, okay, although that, I think that, that that's not in our favor, um, but um, but th there's so much packed into these three chapters that I could spend weeks going through each thing, all the things that I want to hit, but we just don't have the time for it. And we're trying to cover so much within, um, between Christmas and Easter is when we, uh, through the book of John. And um, it, just, it just grieves me to know that I can't just like just camp out on some of this stuff. So um, we're kind of doing a bird's eye view thing today. We're going we're gonna, to, in a sense, skim these three chapters. And we're going to point out some things that we as a church, that we need to do, we as Christians, as God talks to us. And, uh, but what I want to encourage you guys to do is go home this week and read it. Chapters 14, 15, 16, they're really small, it'll take you like less than 10 minutes. Um, read it every day. Read them over and over and over again so you just soak it in, soak it in, soak it in. So much Jesus has to say and so much Jesus has to teach us. It's just so good. Um, as you're doing that, which hopefully you do, um, know this. I, I want you to think of it in at least two different ways, all right? And as we're going through here today, I want you guys to think through this two different ways. And that's this. Number one, this is Jesus talking to his disciples 2,000 years ago. Okay, which I think we all understand. It's like, oh, well, yeah, of course. Um, this is Jesus talking to his, to his disciples. And this is really the last conversation that they have before Jesus is killed and executed. So this is like, and, and Jesus knows what's going on. His disciples, they don't have a clue. And so for Jesus, I mean, these are like the, the biggest things that he wants them to know uh, before he's gone. And so I want you to view it that way. The other way I want you to view it is this is God talking to you today. All right? So as we're going through this, I want you to view this in both of those ways as you're, as you're just thinking through. Okay? We good? Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Well. For the rest of you, um, yeah. Okay, thank you. That helped a little. Um, this, is where we, this is where we left off. Uh, Jesus, he has made his way 
to Jerusalem for the very last time. And he's got enemies everywhere. Everybody, well, not everybody. He's got all these, all these powerful enemies that want him dead. And there's spies everywhere. And so it's just, it's just a dangerous time for him. Actually, John tells us that uh, the large crowd, a large crowd had gathered and come to the festival. Now, we've talked about what festival is going on here. It's the Passover, okay, which is a week-long festival that uh, most scholars believe that uh, over a million people from all over the world would descend upon Jerusalem for this entire week. I mean, it was huge. And so this crowd hears this rumor that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for the festival. And the crowd goes wild. I mean, everybody's excitement. Excitement is building and building and building. And AJ talked about a couple weeks ago, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, they are celebrating they're going crazy. And these guys, this crowd, as well as the disciples, they think Jesus is there in Jerusalem to do something political. That he's going to lead a revolt against Rome. He's going to free Israel from this oppressive foreign government. That he's going to set himself up as king. That he is going to do something for the entire nation. But Jesus was actually there to do something for you 2,000 years ago. And nobody understands what exactly is going to happen, including his disciples. And so Jesus, we find out, spends that week teaching in the streets. He's out in public. Um, he's teaching these crowds. He's talking to the crowds. He's interacting with them, even at the, at the Jewish temple. And then on Thursday of that week, it's the Passover. It's time for the Passover meal. This was like, this was like a big deal, uh, part of this, this series of holidays. Um, it'd be like, for us, maybe it'd be like Thanksgiving, okay? You can't have a Thanksgiving without your Thanksgiving meal. We all agree on that? At least, okay, first service, they're a little iffy on that, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about. I appreciate that. But that's what it is. It's like, it's like you can't have a Thanksgiving without a Thanksgiving meal. You can't have a Passover without the Passover meal. So Jesus talks to his boys, and he says, hey, guys, I want you guys to go. I want you to find us a place. And they end up finding a place on a second-story room that they could eat and have the meal. And he's like, I want you guys to go and start preparing the meal. Let's, let's, let's do this. We're doing this tonight. It's part of the tradition. It's part of the, of the celebration. And so they go. Again, the disciples have no idea what's about to happen. And then Jesus, he knows he's going to be killed the next day. And so remember how that night starts. He starts serving his disciples. We talked about how he did, did that last week. And as soon as they're finished eating, Judas leaves, goes off into the night to betray, betray Jesus for cash. And Jesus knows exactly what's happening. In fact, remember, Jesus is the one who says, hey, Judas, go. I know what you're about to do. Just go do it. Okay, do, do it quickly, he says. And Judas leaves. And nobody else knows exactly, nobody else knows what that meant or what's going on here. And, um, and so Jesus, he gathers his disciples for like his one last talk. The, only 11 of them at this point. And he condenses the entire Old Testament law that the disciples were very familiar with, that they all had gr grown up with, 613 rules. He condenses it down to one. He says, this is what I want you guys to do. Love one another. In which case, I think most of the disciples, I mean, I'm assuming all of them, they're just like, all right, well, that makes sense. You know, that sounds like a pretty God, like a pretty normal God rule. Okay, you guys need to love each other, get along with each other, you know, that type of thing. But Jesus, he puts, he puts a, a quality on it. He puts a caveat. He says, no, I need you to love one another as I have loved you. In which case, what he does in that moment is he raises the bar so high. He's like, I want you to love one another, not just like what you're thinking about love, or not just like, not, not your view of love and how you think you should love. I want you to love one another like I have loved, like the way I view love. 
And everybody's just like, okay, all right, that's harder than, than what we thought. And, and even what Jesus could have said is, I want you to love one another as I'm about to love you. As he goes to the cross just a few hours later. See, the disciples don't know what to think. We know from John that John's like, man, the disciples, Jesus is clearly grieving. They could see that. They could see it in his face. And so what's Peter do? All right, because Peter's one of those guys that if there's like awkward silence in the room, he has to say something. You know people like that? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys, you're that person, okay? And, um, and Peter, that, that's what he has to do. And so uh, Peter's just like, hey, uh, Jesus, um, what do you, where do you plan to go? What, what are you talking about? You're going to leave? What's going on? And Jesus is like, oh, no, Peter, you can't come. And Peter's like, why not? I'm so committed to you. Like, I, I'm ride or die. Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm with you. I'm willing to die for you. Like, that's how committed I am. I don't know about all the rest of these guys, but, like, I'm in this to the end. And Jesus, he looks at Peter, and he's just like, man, Peter, are you sure about that? Within the next few hours, Peter, you don't know this. Within the next few hours, you are going to deny that you even know who I am. Not once, not twice, but three different times. In which case, I think that whole room just went silent. Nobody knows what to say after that. Probably in the first, for the first time in Peter's life, he doesn't know what to say either. I mean, think about what's going on. As these guys walked into the room maybe a couple hours before, they were pumped, right? Everything seems to be going great. They got the crowds coming. I mean, sure, you got the religious leaders who want Jesus dead, and he's got enemies. Yeah, but they can't do anything with all these crowds all around. And there's like a million extra people in Jerusalem. And so he's teaching them. I'm sure he's doing his miracles. And, and he, you know, as the religious leaders review, he's doing his tricks out in the streets. And, and, and people are starting to believe, and people are starting to, 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 to follow him. But now they're up in this upper room. They're supposed to be celebrating what God had done 2,000 years ago within the Exodus, and, but something is clearly bothering Jesus. I mean, think about what he's talking about. He's like, I'm leaving. <laughs> the disciples aren't allowed to come. Right? He's going away. One of them, Jesus just threw down the bomb that one of them was going to betray him, and one of their own, and they're like, it was me, it was it you? Who, you know, it's, I don't think it was me. And, and then Peter is like the most vocal disciple. Maybe, maybe the disciple who possesses maybe the, the most leadership skills, he, he kind of stands up he, and, and Peter, or Jesus tells Peter that he's going to deny him three different times that night. I mean, the, the attitude in the room, I think it's safe to assume, is like completely 180. Everyone's at a loss for words. They don't know what's going to happen, but they got this feeling that whatever's going to happen, it's going to be bad. And they don't know the timing. And they don't know what's going on this. And I think Jesus could read this on their faces because this, this is what Jesus says, John chapter 14. He looks at them all and he's like, guys, 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 don't let your heart be troubled. All right, don't let your heart be troubled. I right, believe in God and believe also in me. Remember, I want you to think of it both ways. Think of it as he's telling his disciples 2,000 years ago, but think of it as he's talking, Jesus is talking to you this morning. Don't let your heart be troubled, all right? He says, in my Father's house, there's so many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have lied to you about it? Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Of course not, all right? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back again to take you to myself so that where I am, you can be, you may be also with me. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. In which case, the disciples are like, why does he keep talking about this? Where is he going? He hasn't told us where he's going yet. And, and Thomas, he, he speaks up. He's like, Jesus, we don't know where you are going. So how are we supposed to know 
the way. Logical concept, right? Like, this is a very logical question. And Jesus told me, he's like, he's like, Thomas, 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 I am the way. I'm also the truth. I'm the life as well. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is confusing to the guys. And, and by the way, for us here today, you know what Jesus does right here? You know what he does? Right? He eliminates all other beliefs and all other religions from, like, contention. Okay? Just to, just to put this in perspective. Basically, what he says right here is says all other beliefs and all other religions that he's saying, those, they don't get you there. They don't get you to heaven. Right? Those are wrong paths. You don't want to go down those paths. In fact, you would say those paths lead to hell. He's saying, I am the only way. He doesn't say he's one of the ways. Right? He's saying, I'm the only way. And so for us, I think, especially within our culture, the way we don't want to offend anybody and we just want everybody just to be so happy. You know, like, I don't know. We just, we just want to go at the flow. And so we kind of view it as like, now, nah, you know, you got religions and we're all kind of heading up this mountain and there's all these different paths up to the top, but we're all going to get there, you know, the same way. And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> that's not true. Those other paths, there's a lot. There's actually only one path and that path is narrow. Right, it's a small one. He's saying, that's me. I am the only way. He's very exclusively inclusive. Right? It's like if you want to go to heaven, he's saying, it's only him. There's no other religion. There's no other belief that gets you there. It's only him, but it's also inclusive in the fact that he's like, but all are invited. Everyone can go. Right? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. He's like, everybody is invited. He says, if you know me, then you also know my father. From now on, you do know him. And guess what, guys? You've seen him. He's saying, I'm God. I am the father. That's who I am. And these guys, they've been with Jesus three years now. And they have no idea. Like, they still don't get it. In fact, Philip, Philip speaks up and he's like, okay, Jesus, we don't know what you're saying, but just show us the Father. Like, show us God. If you could show us God, like, if we could, like, you know, introduce us to him, that would be pretty sweet. Um, you know, that would be enough for us. And, and Peter, you know, he just looks at him and, like, he's just like, Phil? Yeah, I don't know if he called him Phil, maybe. He's like, Philip, Phil? He's like, I've been among you all this time for the last three years, and you don't know who I am? Are you kidding me? He said, the one, let me, let me say this again. Okay, let me say this slower for you, Phil, because you're not getting it. The one who has seen me has seen the Father or has seen God. So how can you say, show us the Father? I've already done that. Okay, you're looking at it. I'm doing that right now. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Don't you understand all right, don't, don't you get it? Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody and they just don't understand it? He's like, you know what I'm talking about? Like your kid. You ever done that? We're just like, dude. All right, you know, I've explained this to you like three different ways. You still don't, you're still not getting it. Um, or maybe like an employee or something where you're just like, dude, this guy, he just doesn't, under, you know, doesn't get it. It's super frustrating, right? Right, yeah. I wonder if Jesus felt like that, like this moment where he's just like, huh, you don't even know. Dude, you know, you've seen all these miracles. You've seen all this stuff. And so Jesus, he continues. He says, if you love me, you will keep my command. Meaning, if you love me, if you follow me, then your life is going to show it. The way you live your life is, is, is going to show up. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Right? Some translations 
translate this as helper, or um, some translations uh, translate it as like advocate or comforter. He's saying, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another counselor to be with you forever. Right? And, and this is the first time that he's explaining this. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. And, he, and the disciples, again, this is the first time they're hearing anything about this. They're like, what is he talking about? What is, what is going on? A counselor? He is the spirit of truth. What do you mean the spirit of truth? He says the world is unable to receive him because he doesn't, it doesn't see him or know him at all. But you do know him because he remains with you and we will be with you. He's like, it's going to be, it's, it's me. I'm God. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not just going to leave you hanging. I'm not just going to leave you by yourself. You're not just going to wander around, you know, mindlessly. He's like, no, no, I'm coming for you. See, in a little while, the world will no longer see me. They're like, okay. He's talking about his death here. But he's like, but you will see me. And they're like, what? How does, how does that work? And he's talking about his resurrection, which they don't understand any of this. And he says, because I live, right, you will live too. And his disciples, they're just like, huh? I mean, some of you guys, are you feeling that right now? They're just like, huh? Huh? You know? Like, so it's just like, what? What is he talking about? All right? And, and again, he's, he's promising the, the Holy Spirit. It, next verse. He says, uh, Judas, not Iscariot. By the way, this is kind of funny to me. I imagine, like, John, he's, like, jotting down his notes, like, I'm going to write a gospel, you know. Or, or maybe he's, like, writing it. And I know Judas wasn't with him, I'm sure, when this was happening. But I like to picture that Judas is, like, standing next to him. He's saying, hey, make sure they know there's two of us. You know, I'm not the Iscariot one, okay? Can you make sure? Can you write that in? And John's like, okay, Judas, not Iscariot, all right? You good? And he's like, all right, thank you. I just, I don't want them to think I'm that guy, okay? He's left. He's gone. So Judas, one of the other disciples, he said to him, he's like, Lord, Jesus, okay, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us but not to the world? I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. How is that even possible? You're going to be like walking around, but you're going to be invisible to everybody else. You're going to say, you know, what's, what's that mean? And Jesus answered, he's like, no, no, no. If anyone loves me, he's going to keep my word. Meaning, again, he's going to do, keep my commands. Or he's going, to, he's going to live his life the way that I've called him to live his life. It's going to show up in his life. He says, but my father, he's going to love him and will come to him and make our home within him. Meaning, I'm going to kind of move in his life. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words, obviously. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. This is, meaning this is God who's telling me to tell you this. He said, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But someday, the counselor or the Holy Spirit, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all these things and remind you of everything that I have told you. So here's Jesus He's explaining this. He's saying, yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand that this is so far above you. You don't understand what's going on here. Like, you may not understand this now, but someday you will get it because someday I'm going to send down the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to actually live within you. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be something that you've never experienced ever before, and he's going to help you understand what I'm saying. And this will someday start to make sense, and it's all going to start to click someday in your mind. And actually, you're going to look back on this conversation. You're going to be like, oh, that's what he's doing. Oh, that's what's going to happen. And he promises them that. And at this point, we know that Jesus, he looks around at his disciples and he, he stands up and he says, hey guys, come, why don't you come with me? Let's go for a walk. Again, they don't know that this is their last walk with him. 
And uh, he, they go down the stairs and they walk outside onto the street. They start walking down the street. They eventually find themselves outside the city of Jerusalem. And they, uh, they cross the, the Kidron Valley and they start walking up the Mount of Olives, which if you don't know anything about what's going on here, um, the Jerusalem's kind of built on a big hill, but then there's another hill kind of right next to it, kind of the next hill over. That's called the Mount of Olives. And so as they're walking up this hill, they're probably passing some vineyards and stuff like that. And Jesus starts saying things like, you know, picture it this way, guys. Like, I'm the vine, right, and you guys are the branches. And, and he starts talking about that with them. And, and he's just kind of walking and talking as, uh, as they're all, you know, walking in the same direction, as they're all climbing this hill. And when they get to the top of the hill from at this point, they can see the city. And they're overlooking the city. And Jesus explains to them, he says, I've told you these things so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And they're like, okay, well, not feeling much joy right now, Jesus. You're telling us you're leaving. You're just giving us, like, bad news. He says, this is my command. Does this sound familiar, by the way? He says, love one another as I have loved you. He's already told them this. He says, no one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Here again, he's, he's telling them, or he's, he's hinting towards how he's going to die for them just within the next few hours. He says, you guys are my friends. And if you do what I command you if, you, if you live your life that way, he says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant, he doesn't know what his master is doing. He's like, servants, they, they just do what they're told. But I've called you guys friends because I have made known to you everything. Like I'm telling you guys the plan. I'm sharing you guys, I'm sharing, I'm letting you guys in. He says, and everything that I've heard from my father. You do not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce fruit. By the way, what's the kind of fruit that we're supposed to be producing? What is this fruit? Because right, again, he's not talking to just his disciples. Remember, he's talking to us here today as well. And what he's talking about is he's talking about our job is to our job telling others about what Jesus has done. Tell them that telling others that they can have hope, they can have forgiveness, all through Jesus. And every time that someone gives their life right, to Jesus or surrenders their life to Jesus, that's the fruit. They're the fruit. So so let me look at let's look at it this way. If any, you know, those of you who are Christians out there, which isn't everybody in this room, but if at some point in your life you have specifically given your life over to Jesus or you have surrendered to him. There's a whole bunch of different ways to say it, right? If you've done that, then you were, you, you did that because somebody told you about it, right? Or different people. God used different people to work in your life. Well, you're their fruit. Kind of weird. Think about, all right, look at all this fruit out here. Great. I'm a fruit too, all right? I don't, won't say that again. Anyway. <laughs> All right, anyway, moving on. But, uh, but yeah, that's what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, all right, you are to go out and produce fruit yourself. Like, now you're ready. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know anything. I mean, here he's talking to a group of guys who constantly are like, huh, what? What are you saying, Jesus? We don't know. We don't know where you're going. We don't know what you're talking about. We don't know what you're saying. Like, like you don't have to know all the answers. He said, no, 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 just go out and tell people. Right? That's the fruit. That he's talking about here. If you're a Christian, let me think about, let, let me just ask. How are you doing with that? You know? This is a pretty big deal to Jesus. I mean, he's putting it in. He's only got a few words. He's only got a, a limited amount of time here to get all this in. And so he's picking the most important stuff. And that's one of the biggest things that he says. He's like, hey, you guys are to go 
produce fruit. He's saying, I'm appointing you. I'm giving you this job. You guys need to go produce fruit. How are you doing at that? That's the way we're supposed to live our life. That's our ultimate job. It's funny because I feel like we talk about all that all the time. And um, it's just always, you know, it, everything kind of comes back to that. Like our mission, our job, our purpose as Christians. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's like, man, that, that's, that's your job, okay? I'm pointing you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he's actually going to do for you. He says, this is what I command you. Love one another. Sound familiar? Right? It's like the fourth time that he's mentioned that. Okay, so it's, it's important. Right? It's almost like, like I picture this, and Jesus is kind of, he's saying all these things are kind of just all over the place. And I picture it almost like a coach. Okay, can you picture back to a time where you played sports, maybe little league or high school or college, you know, wherever, whenever that was. Um, you picture it like this, like, like for me, I always picture football uh, back in high school. And what would happen for defensive backs, that's what I played, the coach would kind of, you know, right before the game, as the game's getting ready to start, okay, time is off, coin flips already happened, people are going out on the field. You know, he'd gather all the DBs around and he'd be like, okay, guys, um, and he would just give us like the last minute advice on everything. He'd be like, okay, you guys remember what we practiced, do this, do that, all right, remember to block, tackle well, remember, watch out for number 15. Okay, you need to watch for this formation because they do that when they do this package. Just all this stuff, and he packs everything into the last opportunity. And as a player, you're like, what, what, huh, wait, okay. You know, and, and that's what I feel like Jesus is doing here. He's just like, guys, guys, guys. He kind of huddles them around. He's like, this is our last, like, this is our last moment. We're getting ready to go into the game. The game's about to begin. They don't even get that. They don't understand that. And he's going, hey, remember what I've taught you. You need to have joy. You need, guys need to love each other. You remember that I chose you. I was actually the one who appointed you. Go produce fruit. Okay, don't forget to pray. All right, did I mention love each other? You know, he, it's like constantly, he's just, he's just kind of, peppering them with all these things. And then he gives them a warning. He says, because this is what's going to happen. Basically, the world is going to hate you. All right, that's not good news. He says, if the world hates you, understand, and I want you to remember that it hated me before it hated you. All right, if you were of the world, the world will love you. Okay, as its own, because that's what, you know, the world loves its own. He says, however, because you are not of this world, you're not of this world anymore, I have chosen you out of the world because of that the world hates you. He says, remember the word that I spoke to you? Remember when I said that a servant is not greater than his master? And they're all like, oh, yeah, you just said that. He says, if they persecuted me, they're also going to persecute you. Meaning, if they persecute, you know, they have, uh, like, I'm higher level than you. They have no problem persecuting me. They're definitely going to persecute you. He says, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. Meaning they don't know God. So Jesus is saying, hey, the world is going to hate you. Brings us to another question. Does the world hate you? Like personally, think about it. In your own life, whatever you do, wherever you do it, um, do you feel like the world hates you or you're kind of just like in the flow with the world? You know, because, you know, if you're sitting there and you're like, nah, not really, like, oh, I'm generally liked, you know, which is, we like that. You know, view this as a warning. Maybe the reason for that is because you belong to the world. 
which isn't good. See, here's the deal. This is what we got to understand. Our culture, it is not neutral. Okay, our culture is always moving. It always drifts towards ungodliness. It always, always, always does. It does not stop. And so when you have to, so what we as Christians, we have to stand against the current of our culture. I mean, like how many times, have you been to the beach, you know, where you're out there, you set your stuff down in the sand, then you go off and um, after a while, maybe it was back when you were a kid, you're doing whatever, and after a while you like look up and your stuff's gone, and you're like, who the heck took all my stuff? You know, super annoying. You're like, wait, that guy's not laying there anymore. We know what happened to that person? And the umbrella, that umbrella. And then you look down and you're like, oh, they're way down there. There's my stuff. You know what I'm talking about? You like drifted? Okay, none of you guys have been to the ocean, so I guess you don't know. That's what happens. <laughs> um, that's how I feel like a lot of us are. I fear a lot of us, we just kind of go with the flow. We don't even realize that we're moving away from God, that we're actually drifting with the world, which is always drifting away from God. And so if you're living your life right, which Jesus mentions here several times. Remember, he's like, if you keep my commands, if you keep my word, you know, that's what he's saying. If you're living your life right, the world, Jesus is saying, will hate you. He doesn't say might hate you, doesn't say could hate you, doesn't say, hey, there might be, it could be possibility of, you know, he doesn't say that. He says the world will hate you. And the world hates us as Christians because we love people of this world unconditionally, without question. It doesn't matter what's wrong with them, doesn't matter what they've done. We love everybody, but we reject the culture and the systems of this world wholeheartedly as Christians. That's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Actually, he goes on. He says, I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. Like, that's the reason why I'm telling you. I'm giving you guys the heads up. Because someday, guess what they're going to do? And he's telling his disciples, he's like, they're going to ban you from synagogues. And they're going to ban you from church. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you, like, that's not good news, right? I mean, Jesus, he's lowering, he's like, by the way, some of you guys, you're going to die. So uh, they're going to be killed for this. He said, someday, you know, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will actually think they're offering service to God. They're going to think that they're killing you, and they're going to be like, hey, God, I killed them. Thanks, no, you know, no need to thank me. I got your back. They're gone. You know, like that type of thing. They're going to think they're doing it for God. And they will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. Like, they don't actually know God. They think they know God, but they don't. He says, but I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember that I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning. Because I was with you. You know, I, I, you were protected. I, you, you were safe. I was with you the whole time. But now I'm, I'm, I'm going away. In which case they're all like, okay, we got that. We understand that. You're going away. We just don't know where. It says, I'm going away to him who sent me. I'm going back to God. And one of you, he says, and not one of you asks, where are you going? In which case, did you read that? You're like, what, didn't somebody just ask that? <laughs> Wasn't that Thomas? Didn't Peter just ask that before? Like, yeah, they've asked that. What Jesus is talking about here, I looked that up. I was like, what? What's going on? Jesus, he's talking about it in a broader sense. He's like, he's been telling the disciples, he's been warning them for like the last three years. And not once have they been like, you know, okay, all right, where are you going, Jesus? What's going on? Not once have they been like interested in the plan. They're all like, okay, Jesus, you're going. Okay, we don't know what that means, but... We don't know a lot of things that you say. You know, he's like, you guys haven't been interested in this the whole time. Okay, but now you are like, like you know, now they're, they're trying to, they're starting to figure this, figure this out. He says, yeah, because I've spoken these things to you, like now it's starting to make sense. It's starting to click in your minds. He says, because of that, sorrow has filled your heart. You're super sad. He says, nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. 
it is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom he's already promised, will not come to you. If I go, I'm going to send you to him or send him to you. Basically, Jesus is saying having the Holy Spirit here, check this out, is actually better than having Jesus here. It's kind of the opposite of how we think. I mean, you ever think like this, like, like me, where it's like, man, if I could just, I don't need a week, I don't need a day, I don't even need an hour. If I could have like 30 minutes with Jesus, just one-on-one, you know what I mean, out to coffee or, you know, whatever, take a walk. If I could just have 30 minutes of like FaceTime with Jesus, I'll even take a Zoom call, okay, that would be good too. You know, I feel like I could accomplish a lot. Like, if I, especially if I had plenty, you know, I could get all my questions answered. I could ask them, you know, what's the, wisest, what's the best thing to do here? What do I do with this? You know, I could get, like, all this down probably in 30 minutes, depending on how long his answers are. You know, who knows? That could go, maybe I'd go get one question in. I don't know. But, um, but you know, I, I feel that way. It, but Jesus, he's saying the opposite here. Jesus is like, nah. That's not true at all. Actually, the Holy Spirit living within you, me living in you, is actually better than me standing next to you. Which means, if you look at it this way, we are better off than the disciples were when they were with Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. The Holy Spirit helps us understand. And at this point, the disciples, they've never experienced anything like that. Actually, maybe that's why they're so confused with Jesus' words. And so Jesus continues. He says, in a little while, you're no longer going to see me. Again, in a little while, you will see me. And they're like, huh? <laughs> All right, is that confusing to anybody? Jesus is like, hey, someday you're going to see me. Oh, yeah, in a little while, you won't see me. But, you know, they're just like, some of his disciples have said to one another, one another, and they're outside at this point, and it's dark, and it's night, and they're just probably whispering. They're like, what is this <laughs> that he's telling us? In a little while, you'll see me, but again, in a little while, you won't see me. What is he talking about? Or the one disciple is like, yeah, did you hear him say, because I'm going to the Father? What's that mean? And they said, they're like, what is this he is saying? Any of you guys feel like that when you're reading your Bible? Once in a while, you're like, what is going on here? They're like, in a little while, what? We don't know what he's talking about. And so Jesus, no one wants to ask Jesus, right? Because, I mean, Philip already got yelled at. Thomas already got, Peter already, like bad things happen when you speak up. Judas and so Jesus, he knew what they wanted to ask him, but they didn't want to, but they didn't ask him. And so he said to him, he said, are you asking one another about what I said? In which case they're all like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, yeah, that's exactly, I forgot you knew, ev- you know everything. So um, he says, truly I tell you that you will cry and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. And they're like, huh, What? Okay, we're going to be sorry, we're going to be sad, but then we're going to have joy, but then we're going to be joy, then we're going to be sad. What, what is he talking about? He says, picture it like this, like when a woman is in labor, in which case, think about it, Jesus is talking to like a group of 11 guys who are like in their 20s. They're experts on this, you know what I mean? When a woman is, when a woman is in labor, they're all like, oh yeah, we know all about that, okay? Some of you guys have experienced that, right? Okay, all right. Um, I've heard is not... Uh, it was actually painful for me to watch, so I can totally understand how that is. I've gotten to be a part of three births, okay, a limited part. Um, and uh, the first two, Kate, she got that, like, needle thing in the back. I don't know what the correct word is. I don't know. It's a, yeah, big needle. It was like a sword. Uh, that's all I remember. <laughs> they just shoved it in her back. I was like, and then they're like, she's going to be paralyzed if she did this wrong. I'm like, dude, she is definitely 
paralyze it. Okay, she was good though. Um, and so they did that. And, and I would describe that, those first two births as bad, okay? It wasn't pleasant to be in there. Kate was not happy during the whole thing. But then we had our third child. And uh, the third child, we got there too late for that. And uh, she had to do it the, uh, the natural way. And um, I didn't know that exactly. We, I parked the car, and I'm taking my time because I'm like, I'm going to be here for the next few days. You know, I'm not in a hurry to get up there. I remember walking into the hallway, and I could hear the screams down the hallway. And I was like, whoa. All right, she is not happy. And uh, for that experience, okay, um, I was just really worried about two things. Number one, I didn't want to pass out because that's embarrassing. And as she's going through all that, and I'm the one like, ooh, you know. And then number two, I was just hoping she wouldn't, she wouldn't start swearing at all the nurses. You know what I mean? Because she's a pastor's wife, and she shouldn't be doing that anyway. It's not good testimony. And uh, I was just like, please, you know, it was not a happy moment. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and the disciples, they're just like, oh, yeah, we've heard about those moments, but they don't know exactly everything. But, uh, but Jesus knows because he's Jesus. And so he's like, it's kind of like when a woman's in labor. She has pain. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we heard that, okay? And she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering, right? Which some of you guys, women, I'm assuming, You've experienced this. I, I saw this with Kate. It's like she's screaming. She is mad. And then they set the baby on her lap, and she's like, oh, you know. And I'm like, you could just flip your emotions that fast. Like, it's, it's, it's just nuts. I don't know. That's, but Jesus is pointing that out. He's like, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world, that she has a child. He says, so you also have sorrow now. It's kind of like that. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice when that time comes, and no one's going to be able to take away your joy from you. Which we find is exactly what happens the next few weeks. These guys go from crying and mourning and hiding to out in the streets having joy, telling people about Jesus boldly, getting beat for telling people about Jesus. In fact, uh, all these guys will die for, having, for telling people about Jesus. But these guys at this point, they just don't get it. And so Jesus says to them, he says, I've spoken these things to you in figures of speech. And they're like, yeah, we noticed. <laughs> All right? You've been doing this for like three years. Jesus says, a time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech. All right? But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In which case, they're all like, well, let's bring on that time. All right? Let's do that like right now. And Jesus says, okay. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Okay, you guys believe that I'm God? Because that's what's, that's what's true. He says, I came from the Father, and I've come into the world. Again, I'm leaving the world, and I'm going back to the Father. And they're like, okay. And his disciples said, they're like, look, all right, Jesus, now you're speaking to us plainly. Why didn't you just say it at the beginning? He says, and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything, and you don't need anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. We believe it. And Jesus responded to him. He's like, do you believe, now believe? Okay, you think, you think you believe? He says, indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home. You guys are about to be scattered. These guys are all about to run and hide. And you will leave me alone, which is kind of messed up. He says, yeah, I'm actually not going to be alone because the Father is always with me. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. All right? He says, you will have suffering. 
By the way, this is a promise to us. He's not saying you might have suffering, there could be some suffering. He doesn't say that. He says, you will have suffering. And many times it's like we experience suffering and we're like, God, what the heck? What's going on? Are you real? Why would you allow this to happen in my life? How could you be good and allow this? And here's God. God's like, God does not owe us pain-free lives like we think. I don't even know where we come up with that. Jesus is like, nah, you don't get it. You will have suffering. That's a part of life. But you be courageous because I've conquered the world. And so for us, we look at this, we're like, sure, Jesus is talking to his disciples 2,000 years ago. These guys don't have a clue of what's going on here. But he's also talking to us here today. And for us, too many times we get distracted by all the little things in life, like I mean, I mean, we get distracted by work and school and sports, and our kids have sports, and our kids have dance, and, and we got house stuff, and we got hobbies, and we got projects going on at home, and, and we just got all this busyness in our life. And by the way, I think that Satan's like number one tactic in our society is just to fill our lives just with all this busyness, and we start losing focus of God, and we start losing focus of why we're here. And what we do is we find ourselves going with the flow of our world. Right? We don't do anything to help people around us find Jesus, which means we're not producing any fruit. We're not loving one another as we should. We're just kind of stuck. We're just kind of drifting, and we don't even know it. See, some of the last words that Jesus gives his boys are like, this is like the most important out of all of his ministry. He's like, up until this point, I mean, with his disciples, he's taught them a lot of stuff, and they've seen some extraordinary things. But here Jesus, he's going, hey, guys, focus. Focus in. If you didn't get anything out of the last three years, I want you to know this. See, here Jesus reminds us of the reality of life, and he challenges us to be courageous, and he challenges us to be bold. And, and really, that's great news, right? It's the good news at the end where he's like, hey, guys, guess what? I got this. You just need to go do what you're called to do. Right? The Holy Spirit, he's with us. Right? Jesus has like moved in. It's better than if Jesus were like was standing next to us. And because of that, we can have joy. And even if the world hates us, and even if the world comes after us, and even when we have to experience suffering, we can also have joy, and God can use us. And I think that this is something the disciples desperately needed to hear at this moment. And I think this is something that we desperately need to hear at this moment. And as Christians, as we go into the week this week, and we get back in our normal routine, Monday, Tuesday, you know, just our thing, and we need to remember, A, God's expecting us or he is appointing us to produce fruit. We're supposed to be telling others about him. Number two, we need to be bold and we need to be courageous, which is what Jesus challenges us to do here this morning, because it doesn't matter if the world hates us. It doesn't matter if we have to experience suffering. It doesn't matter if all these bad things happen into our life. God's there, and he gives us the, the promise. He's like, and guess what? I've conquered it. I've already conquered evil. I've conquered the world. I took care of it. You just got to do what you got to do. You just got to follow my words, and I'll use you. See, it's something we got to remember. It's something the disciples didn't know yet, but just a few hours later, Jesus would be doing that very thing. And so we don't got to be afraid. We don't got to be scared. You know, we don't have to worry. 
We don't got to freak out about stuff. We just need to do what God's called us to do. And it seems like everything always comes back to we need to tell others about Jesus, tell others about Jesus, tell others about Jesus. Or Jesus would say in this passage, you know, produce fruit, produce fruit, produce fruit. That's what our life's about. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words and we thank you for, for reminding this to us today. There's so much good stuff here, Lord. But uh, you teach us so much. God, we ask that those of us who are Christians in this room that have actually at some point given our life to you, Lord, that we would, that you would give us the boldness and the courage just to go do what you've called us to do. It's not that hard to influence people towards you because you are the only way. There's no other way. And we should care. We should love one another as you've loved us. We should love every single person. We care about where they go for eternity. And God, we ask that you would help us do that. Help us to love like you've called us to love. And Lord, we thank you for that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.